Awesome. Okay, cool. Well, let's do this thing. And uh, let's see. It is the 17th episode of the Hot Isle. It's about to get to uh, exciting number 20. I think we're going to have to have like a online birthday cake or something for number 20. What do you think? I, I like the idea. With sparklers or candles? Yeah, something. Well, we have to make sure that we're fire safe. I'm sure the, the fire marshal would say be careful. So maybe we'll just do it with... We'll have a fire extinguisher. We'll just put a flashlight in the top of a cupcake or something. So (laughs) this is episode number 17, and welcome to the Hot Isle. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Brian Carpenter, and with me today... Brent Piatti. Good morning. It's awesome. Good morning. It is a beautiful Friday. It's starting to get a little bit cooler outside, which means I had to wear my developer advocate hoodie in the house, and (laughs) uh, nobody could see it, but I look just like Jonas Roslin. So... Uh, the, the goal of this show this week is to educate you on the kind of ever-changing ERP landscape uh, and how, like, essentially the rapid evolution of technology, all these things we've been talking about, um, affect the ecosystem that surrounds ERP. Uh, customers, the way they're consuming, uh, partners, what they're implementing, what they're purchasing, what they're advising on, and, of course, vendors, where vendors have to go with their products uh, and where vendors are having to change the way they look at things to be able to help out customers and keep up with essentially as things transition towards being in memory. And with us this week, we have John Appleby. Uh, John, thanks for coming with coming on the show with us. Thanks for inviting me in. It's a pleasure to be here. And uh, John is 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 world renowned. And uh, by the world, I mean we know him really well. And he's huge in the SAP landscape. Uh, I believe you're a you're an SAP mentor. Is that correct? Well, technically, I was an SAP mentor. I quietly stepped down, but you know, we're we're, we're SAP mentors for life in reality. Yeah, it's uh, it's not a former SAP mentor, right? It's kind of just you're always there. It's just maybe you're not quite as active, right? Yeah, we call it um, the process of being dementored. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of dementors in my life, so we'll we'll see. How. <laughs> Anyways, that was a gosh. I'm getting old. I'm starting to do dad jokes. The Harry Potter joke. So, so John, you're uh, tell us a little bit about uh, what you're doing today, what your job is, and uh, how you got involved uh, in in SAP in general. Well, I mean, I I guess I was kind of uh, drag kicking and screaming into SAP. Um, kind of in, in the mid-2000s. Uh, I didn't want to get involved in SAP. I always thought it was kind of old-school ERP and boring and kind of destroyed people's lives with green screens. But um, I couldn't keep away from it anyhow, so uh, I got drawn into my brother's company in kind of 2004 and ended up doing it full-time a couple of years later and kind of actually not, not really looked back. And was your brother's company, was that Falcon IT or is that something different? No, that, that's Bluefin. Bluefin. So, okay. so he, he set up Bluefin and it was kind of four ex-axon consultants who thought that there, there must be a better way to do consulting that didn't involve putting their P&L first and ripping off the customer and disaster and escalations. There must be like a better way. And that's, that's really where Bluefin came out of. And we're now well, 11, 12 years later. Um, we, we sold, uh, to mine tree in July of this year and it's kind of, it's all, it's all up from here. It's amazing times. That sounds fun. And you, I want to, I want to hit on it really quick. You actually mentioned something that I find to be my opinion as well, which is that, uh, SAP and the thought process around ERP, it's extremely critical to businesses. I mean, uh, if, if they don't have one, you, you probably just didn't ask the right question, uh, as far as a tool set around it, but. I find it extremely boring 
to just think about and think about all the things that have to go into it. Um, projects usually end up being very frustrating to people in some cases if they're done wrong. You know, help me. But you, you clearly said, I found it boring, yet here I am doing it, making a huge living on it and evangelizing about it. So change my mind. Tell me why it's not boring. I, I think there's, there's two two aspects to that. And, and the, the reason why I got dragged into it was was really because I, I had a specific skill set around performance and making things run well. Um, and that's a big, you know, one of the biggest things about user experience is, is performance. And that's... And I made SAP data warehouses less miserable for people at that at that time, um, and that's what got me into it. And but it's not what makes me excited about it today. So what makes me excited about it today is that that SAP is just such a totally different company. If you if you want it to be right, I mean there are people that still run the green screen, the green screens and the frustrating user experiences of, of 15 years ago. But the, the tech that they have available today is, you know, from a performance perspective is, is amazing. And also from a usability perspective, we can build, um, applications and ERP applications, which are really pleasing to use. So that's, that's what keeps me here now, not what got me here, but it's what keeps me here is we can, we can transform the lives of people who have to use this stuff and, and make them less measurable. That's great. And so are, do you feel like a part of that process also has to do with the actual, um, I guess the team or the, the group of people that are actually doing the implementation, whether it be customer inputs versus uh, the consultative results that they're getting? I mean, so again, you take business requirements and functional requirements and you turn it into a product that they then consume. And it seems like that time, that part there, the whole implementation turns into this whole, uh, I'm, a lot of surprises, a lot of uh, scope creep, things like that. Is that, is that also part of uh, you know, what makes it either fun or kind of like the, the cuss word that is you know, uh, changing somebody's job with a new tool set? Yeah, I think there's just there's just a whole a, bu a whole bunch of closely connected aspects to this, right? So the first aspect is, you know, the tech is is the fourth generation of ERP, and it and we are moving into a world, and you're you're going to hear this this year. Um, I was talking to my my good friend Steve Lucas about this last night. You know, we're in a world where we we are going undergoing the digital revolution. So, and, and it is going to be as significant as manufacturing automation has been over the last 30 years, the digitization of business process. And that, and so, so first of all, that is a whole, whole new thing to come over the next 30 years, how we, how we digitize business. Um, that, that makes it interesting. From, from my perspective, the, the second thing is, you know, you, you hire Bluefin because you want things done quickly in an agile way with respect to um, change management and compliance. But as an organization, you're tired of six, 12, 18, 24 month implementations. You know, we, we do implementations in, in six, eight, 12 weeks that others take six, eight, 12 months to do. And, and, and I think that there, there is an opportunity with tooling and automation and test management and, and all that great stuff to be kind of, much more fun to work with as teams. We, we, we have smaller teams, more agile projects. It's, it's, it's a whole world. And what size organizations do you typically work with then, John? Um, so 
Um, globally, it, it varies a little bit more, but my, my business is 100% large cap organizations. Okay. In, in the U.S. So if you were to put a, this is like a 10,000 person plus organization? Right. Yeah. I mean, it okay. depends on, on, on industry, but you know, we, we don't, we don't typically have customers with less than 10 billion of revenues. Um, and, and we don't work with the really big guys typically either for just, um, just the, what we do doesn't work quite so well there. And is, okay. and is that because, um, just they're kind of organizationally dysfunctional themselves and don't allow you to actually be agile? Yeah, it, it, there comes a point where they can't get out of their own way when you get beyond a certain size. Um, at I think least that's, that's our experience. I, I think that's true. I mean, you know, EMC, right? How long have we been working on on Propel? Longer than I've been here. <laughs> yeah, so that, that's our, you know, uh, uh, getting out of out of Oracle ERP and then onto SAP. It's, it. Uh, I think it's going somewhat live early next year, but it's been. It's been years in the making, and then I was talking to my father just yesterday because he's in town visiting the the baby, and uh, he works for 3M, and they're going through an SAP implementation as well, and it's been three-plus years in the making as well, and they're not even close to being rolled out. Oh, but, but, but uh, you know, to the contrary, EMC is exactly the size of organization that we, that we accelerate. So we have a, an organization um, actually big, bigger than yourselves. And, and we, from, from the first conversation, right, um, to, to going live uh, with the business suite on HANA in two weeks' time, will have been less than 12 months from the very first meeting. Yeah, wow. I think what we need to do, I mean, it's, besides the fact that we have some expertise in-house now, luckily, uh, you know, what we really need to do is just give your, when we're done with this call or this, this podcast, I'm going to take your business card and I'm going to forward it over to Tucci. Just be like, hey, you need to, you need to chat with this guy. He's pretty cool. So we'll, we'll help you out. We'll, we'll make an intro. Although I'm sure you, I'm sure you know everybody. <laughs> and, and typically, right, that's what happens is you, you, get a, you get a leader in place who, who has an agenda to digitize or move more quickly. And that's when we get brought in. So tell us, um, you've got this, we, we were digging on you. We love to do this, by the way. We're kind of, we're kind of stalkers on the internet. Uh, and we noticed that uh, in your blog, you said that you're about 15,000 words into writing a business book. Uh, is the book focused on uh, your, your current position or is it something completely tangential? Uh, it, it, it's, it's actually, yeah. I mean, I, I can... I can share a couple of spoilers. It'll never see the light of day um, because it has too much intellectual property in it. But it's it's about the Bluefin way and and how how we win business and how how we service our customers and kind of the, the purpose of of writing that is to educate you know a much broader family of of MindTree friends. You know, Bluefin is two hundred and fifty and MindTree is fifteen thousand. And you know we have to find ways to to reach the scale. Yeah. So you're you're basically writing a um, a Jerry Maguire esque manifesto that you're going to pass on to your acquirers. Is that is that how it's going? So it's something like that. I mean, it's at the it's it's something for for them to think about. That's for sure. How how close are you to being done with that? Um, first draft is done, um, and second draft is next. So um, 
maybe another month. This is a this is a tough, and we, we can move on to this in a minute, but this is a tough month in SAP land. Uh, it's conference season. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's go-live season. Everyone wants to get their, it's like everyone wants to get their kitchen in before Christmas. By the way, kitchen sales peak at this time of year um, because everyone is hiring a contractor to put a kitchen in. It's the same with, with SAP go-lives. Everyone's going live at this time of year because they wanted it in prior to um, their, typically they have a kind of freeze around the year-end time. So you need to get projects in in mid-October. Um, so this is pretty much the biggest, busiest time of the year. So it's a little bit delayed. Wow. Well, thanks for being on. I know that uh, you know this is this is your livelihood. So thanks for carving out time from your data to be on this podcast with us. Cool. Um, yeah. No problems. So that said, we like to do every week um, a little segment called "This Week in Tech History." Uh, so so this week in two thousand and eight. The first ever Android uh, device was introduced by Google and T-Mobile. Um, you may have heard of it called the HTC Dream. Um, so it was, again, the world's first an- Android-based phone. Um, and if you compare, it was interesting, if you compare Android sales to iOS or you know iPhone sales, Android has 80, roughly 83% of the market, and Apple has 14% of the market. I I was actually pretty surprised to uh, to see that. Yeah, but, I think that's uh, just a quarterly sale number, though, not like a, a yearly or over year-to-year sale number. That's just uh, last quarter or, or two quarters ago. Well, I think that number, that was from IDC. It was, I don't know if it was, I think it was overall just kind of global market penetration. But regardless, it's there's a huge difference between the two. Um, again, you know, kind of stalking online, uh, you, did a, you did a blog post on the Apple Watch. So... Um, I can assume that you're you're an iPhone user. Are you still using the Apple Watch today? I, I have it on right now. Um, Very good. iOS. I'm, I'm on 2.0 as well. I've been on 2.0 for about a month, so I don't know. <laughs> have you ever tried? Have you ever tried Android though? I, so I I'm an Apple guy, right? I mean, that's that is what it is. My IT folks hate me for it. I I just. I like the way that it just works and it's simple. Like mm-hmm. I don't want to fiddle with things in my work life. I've got enough computer stuff going on at customers. I just want my stuff to work and be simple. And I, I love Apple for that. So that is, um, that, that is what it is. I mean, I've had an Android phone uh, in, in the Sapphire conference, the SAP Sapphire conference. Steve and I wore uh, Moto 360 uh, watches and, raced each other around the conference um so but i I just can't i can't get to grips with android and the the numbers i'm seeing are about about 500 million iphones ever sold and android is selling over a billion a year so you're you're right about the market penetration but the numbers are, are higher um i just can't like android i don't know why it's it just doesn't make sense to me yeah, I think uh, it's the tinkerer mindset versus just wanting something that 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 works for you in your daily life and not having to 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 mess with anything. Yeah, yeah, and I have like you know the you guys have kindly we're, we're working on a co-innovation together and and between EMC and Lenovo you've provided us with twenty five million dollars of 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 hardware for uh, for a pilot. Um, thank you, thank you, Henrik, but. You know, that's enough tinkering for me. I, I don't need to do that in my home life. So can we, uh, are we able to talk about what that project is or that pilot? Uh, we can give some teasers. Let's, um, yeah, let's just, let's just tease until it's all out there. 
yeah, but I mean, yeah, we're, we're working on a co-innovation together with, with, you know, the world's, world's largest HANA cluster. Um, it's pretty cool. It's all all, all uh, EMC storage and all Lenovo compute. Um, and it, it is the, it's the most powerful customer HANA system that's ever been built. And it's, uh, it's going to do some amazing things. Wow. What, um, how big is it? Uh, we're talking about in excess of 2,000 cores and uh, best part of a petabyte um, wow. of tiered storage. So, um, can you, so can you give us an idea of what kind of uh, EMC gear you were you were provided for that? Yeah, absolutely. I we wanted the V fridge, but they didn't have one of those in <laughs> stock, and apparently it's frowned upon to put one of those in the data center. Um, no, so so this is all your your high end stuff. So this is um, data domain for for backup. It's VMAX. A couple of racks of Vmax, and um, it's—is um, it Isilon? Yeah, I think it's Isilon for um, for Hadoop storage. We're using those those little uh, rack mount Isilon things, and you, you stack them up in a big pile. So, is so that, does that start to look something a little bit like Hanavora, or what are you guys working on? <laughs> yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's um, it's tiered, so. It's it's Hana and IQ and Vora, so we 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 have this uh, automatic data temperature management that moves the data between the layers uh, according to the performance that's required. So um, we we keep the cost per terabyte down um, because you, you try building a half petabyte Hana cluster and look at the cost of that thing, just the, the electricity cost, uh, and it's not viable. Um, so we use IQ and, and Vora to to get the cost per terabyte down. So let's let's kind of go back uh, a couple steps. And you know, SAP HANA is it's a huge buzzword in the industry today. So other than being an in-memory database, what what is it, and what's its what's its value prop to SAP users? I mean, if we, if we take an extremely SAP-centric view of the world, and there there are other views, but I'm just talking about the the install base ERP. You know, SAP HANA is is the data platform for the digitization of of business process. It is a real time data platform. It doesn't store anything that it doesn't need to be stored, uh, and it has immediate retrieval speeds for extremely large organizations. And it's it's the only option. Uh, for the fourth generation of ERP S4, that 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 is the simplest way of putting it. Okay, um, so you know that's actually interesting. I, I just read an article the other day about um, the the newest iteration of, of uh, SAP. It's you said it's S4 HANA. Is that what they're calling it, or just S4? S4 HANA or S4, but its real name is SAP S4 HANA. Okay, yeah, and and they were just talking about the the overall adoption of it. It seems to be a little slower than expected. Um, is is that your uh, understanding of it as well? And if so, what's the what's the cause of that? Well, yes and no. This stuff is really nuanced, and uh, it's about that time of year where the financial analysts talk to call uh, call to talk about stuff. I mean, if you look at the sales adoption of S four, the sales adoption is awesome. Right, and, and SAP will release its Q3 results in three weeks' time. So um, I, I expect them to show that S4 is growing super fast. And, and the reason for that is they've, they've dangled an amazing deal up to the end of this quarter in front of, in front of customers. And, and 
that's great, right? But in in this cloud era, um, it, software companies are measured by the, by implementations and not by sales. And, and the reality is that that getting off legacy ERP onto onto S four um, it requires a lot of effort. I mean, that's that is just the reality, right? You know, in many cases, people didn't spend time on on cleaning up systems so you've got these system tables that are huge and need deleting because you can't run them putting them on an in-memory appliance is just a waste of money so you need a housekeeping and a data volume management strategy where you might not have bothered uh, before you might a lot of companies got lazy um, you know you, you need to be moving a lot of code back to standards so you need a test management strategy and automation strategy that works and again a lot of customers got lazy and they didn't patch their systems and you need to be up to date you can't be on a five-year-old version of ERP to get onto S4. You've got to update. And, and so all, all of these things in the short term, they, they cause latency in the process of getting customers onto S4. And, you know, I'm, when you're talking about the Fortune 20, some of those we're providing advisory services, you know, we, we have to provide a two- to three-year roadmap to get them there. So sales are great now. Implementations will lag a little bit, and that, that is what it is. So um, yeah, I guess it you know it's a little bit of the insider information, right? It's uh, it from your perspective, and I think the the reality is this: things are picking up. They're they're better than what this this article. And I don't remember what the heck it was. It was probably Forbes or something like that. But um, yeah, the article will, definitely, definitely will say that take. the number of go lives is low, right? And and the reason for that is because there's a ton of projects, and the projects are hard. Uh, and until you get to S four, you don't have all of those benefits around S four. So, so you, you know, this is the last time customers have to deal with that pain sure. to get there. Uh, and, so, if we, yeah, if we go back to to Hana, what are what are some what are some of the good use cases, right? I mean, what what needs in memory, you know, um, in memory database? Yeah, I mean, so we, we there there are there are several categories, right? And the the first of those is the S four thing and, and and digitization of process. Uh, and and the second one, I'll just cover it real briefly. Is you know all of SAP's cloud platforms, and you know they they will they will all run on the Hana platform, and things like um, um, Hybris. You know they they have this ability to run the customer master, which is which is a, a kind of what they call an aggregated customer master, and that only runs on the Hana platform because it's providing aggregated master data in real time. But but for me, what gets me really excited is is the is the stuff like this this project that we're co-innovating with you guys, or or another project where we we go and solve um, a business problem that that cannot be solved without an ex without a screamingly fast data platform and an integrated data platform where you know spatial and predictive and graph components are used. And that there, there are a whole class of computing problems that, that can't be solved without HANA. And so, it, it, and then we go back to somebody wants to actually consume HANA. They've decided that they understand the impact of their business. It, it makes perfect sense to them. But yet they're on legacy. And frankly, it's probably the hardest thing to do right now is to, to move from legacy to uh, a more modern architecture and a modern application space. Is there... What what barriers like what real world barriers or what's what do you see as the most difficult things that help people drag forward even after they've decided to write the check? 
Well, I'm going to take you before they write the check because the the, the single and hardest thing is to open your mind to what you could do. Like I, 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 the the workshop I ran with this same core innovation project, first thing I said was, guys, just open your mind to the world of possibilities. Don't, Don't be constrained by what you think they are, be that by hardware or process of constraint just open up and we'll and we'll we'll think about that and and it took really a couple of days to get people open to the idea of the kind of big problems conceptualizing those big problems and then prioritizing the big problems um so so that is that is the hardest thing is to write is to figure out what is that big thing that you need to write the check on so many reasons why that that's hard but probably the biggest one is the people writing the checks are not connected enough to the business problems like if you're you know how many it people in manufacturing you know have watched that manufacturing line progress and can think about conceptualized systems we spent the last uh, 15 years pushing IT into its silo away from business um, because they were too busy running core ERP after they'd done uh, process standardization onto SAP. So that's, that's the hardest thing. Um, mo- moving on to, to once you've written the check to answer the question you actually asked, uh, um, it, it's usually data. Uh, it's usually data and change. Um, data is, is, is always a problem because it's always bad. And it's just, uh, you're talking about just not, I guess, not normalized or bad in what manner? Quali- uh, data quality is the, is the killer. Okay. Transactional data is, is all over the place. The master data is all over the place. And, um, you know, that, that has to be cleaned up to run in the memory database. So all the different all the different siloed systems that are you know homegrown, different databases, different ways, different you know different manufacturing facilities are different. Like again, just talking to my father about this, everyone was so different that the normalization and data quality was terrible, and it's it's uh, been it's been a headache. So does 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 the adoption of Hadoop and other things like that with inside the Hana platform? Um, help with this whole idea of not having to uh, specifically data govern all this stuff and normalize it and just put the data in as it is and move forward with uh, different types of queries against just um, non-standard data? Um, it, it does to some degree, but you, you cannot replace getting the data right because if you don't get the data right on the way in, you have to transform it every time you run the code. And I have a customer right now where we're going live with a project and the number of business rules that we've had to write into the app, into the HANA app, we're writing a, a piece of software for them that makes their their ERP data available through a, a public cloud interface uh, via HANA. And, and like the number of transforms that we've had to write into the HANA app is insane because of data problems. Hmm, that's um, interesting because I know just... Uh you know, kind of one of the tenets of in the Hadoop space is schema on read. Um, so it sounds like that that doesn't uh, it doesn't have as much value in the in the SAP and HANA space. Uh, well, so you know, if you think about Vora, and you know, you know Vora is is basically making um, in simplest way making Spark enterprisey. Um, if you if you think about Vora and Hadoop, you've got the same problem. If you're doing a ton of transact, a ton of transformations at runtime, there is a cost. 
Um, so the, the point of schema on read is you decide what you want. If you've, if you've also got to spend a load of time transforming that because the data is bad, your, your performance sucks. Now in Hadoop land, you don't really mind about that too much because you run these MapReduce jobs that run in batch, and so response time is not, is not critical. But in both Voraland and Hanaland, uh, response time is king because that is the time to the, that is the user experience. And so, yep. go ahead, go ahead, Brent. Yeah, I was going to say I just I just read an article that came out yesterday. It was um, it came out of Strata, uh, Strata and Hadoop world, and you guys were talking about Hana Vora, um, and so tell us a bit more about Vora, right? Because it's from my understanding, it's how do you it's it, it's a way to to integrate big data and business intelligence, and it's using Hadoop and it's using Spark. But beyond that, that's that's, that's about all I know. So kind of help us understand. Vora. I, I think the real, the real purpose of Vora is to provide um, not a Hadoop a distribution, but an extension to the to the big Hadoop distributions, which make them attractive to the enterprise. Um, both in terms, of, and really, that's extending um, Spark's capability with what they've learned from Hana. Because there, there are several things in you know that Hana can do that that Hadoop and Spark really really suck at, and you know if you're talking about time dependency and hierarchies, all, all of the really difficult currency conversion, um, temporal and history, all, all of this stuff that's written into the Hana engine, um, Hana can solve those problems that ERP systems and business systems need, and and Spark doesn't have those, and. All of that IP to, to deliver that stuff sits within SAP. So, so that's what Vora is all about, is, it, is, is extending that. And also then integrating into, into their data platform story um, so you can build business apps that integrate with the enterprise, integrate with HANA, um, provide data tiering and cost, of, cost reduction. So it's really bringing um, Hadoop to the SAP user base. And so, are there? So we've we kind of picked up on Spark, and we're picking up on Hadoop, and some of those things, and uh, clearly, fairly future thinking. Are there other current technologies and other future technologies that you think uh, either either they can adopt that they haven't adopted yet, or that they're working on adopting that are going to change this even further and make it even uh, more valuable to the you know getting business results? Not sure I got that question. Well, uh, so I mean, obviously, Spark and Hadoop are fairly, you know, they're fairly edgy as far as technology from an enterprise perspective. Uh, and when you look at, you know, traditional ERP systems, they're kind of on the forward, they're, they're on the forward of it, right? So it's not like just a database and just shove a bunch of stuff in there, ETL it, and move on. Um, they're doing some other things with it. Spark being an in-memory database, uh, Hadoop obviously being, you know, what it is. Are there other technologies that either need to be leveraged or haven't been leveraged or, or we're in a process of leveraging that are going to make it? What's the next Vora for them? I, I think the thing, the, the thing that really gets me is, the, is if you think around uh, where, where digitization of supply, supply chain sales processes is, is, is headed, um, it's all about um, linking in those pieces of the app that you needed something specialist to do, you know. So you needed an Indeca for text, or or you needed um, GIS for spatial, or you needed SAS for predictive. I think if you take those those three markets, um, those being part of business apps is the next great thing, and and. 
you know, imagine you're a transportation company and, and you have 10,000 trucks, so you, you know, or more if you're FedEx. Like, wh- what if your what if your ERP system was was location aware of those? What would you be able to do? What what if it what if it had a graph network of those trucks that allowed you to run real time network optimization when a when a big order came in so that you could reroute your your your, your distribution channels. I mean, if if you think about those, um, that's that's the big thing. And so, is there is there a specific product or process that SAP is working on that is kind of a baby steps into that world? Yeah, well, all of that stuff is being baked into the HANA platform. Okay. Um, and, and I think um, that, you know, we'll, we'll see some stuff around how they're going to visualize that in the next month uh, because being able to provide a user experience which is um, more consumery, and I think that's a big part of this story, right, is that, it, that data science stops being something which is only done by data scientists and there become more consumer opportunities for that as well. Um, but but it requires an interface, um, and obviously they they acquired KXCN, so maybe there is something coming around that. And so you know when we first started out, you talked about the fact that you kind of moved, shifted into this space uh, because of your expertise around performance, and obviously this is a huge shift in in the way that the ERP system performs. Uh, just response time, right? This is literally just get answers out as fast as possible. Um, in the in the right kind of architecture to do it, are there specific technologies from an architecture perspective that you think are really going to continue to enable this shift? Um, whether it be in memory, is it NVMe? Um, you know, what do you know about RDSSD things like that? The, the thing I think that so the next thing that is going to change things is um, is, is something like uh, Intel's three DXP. That that is that is the next uh, big frontier for computing. Um, we've spent the last thirty years uh, trying to make pieces of metal spin faster, um, and then we took SSD, um, which which is somewhat transformational. Um, but I think if you, if you look at um, putting the solid state storage into the uh, into the actual PC, in, into the actual RAM, so that it is solid state. Um, I, I think that that is that's truly transformational. And and so is there uh, is there a standard architecture? Like let's just say you have you probably everybody fits into something to the effect of the eighty twenty rule. Um, is there for somebody who's going to come to you today and say, hey, I want a Hana? Um, what is their their full architecture? The full relationship of their architecture look like as far as you know, is it all heavy compute? Is there still a storage component to it that's offline? I mean, clearly you're testing something that has VMAX, so it seems to make sense. Where does that, where does it all kind of fit in? So, I mean, I, I think uh, so. Where it is today and where it's going to be tomorrow are two, are two quite different places. When Vishal originally talked about Hana, he he he, he never said spinning disk. He always said SSD. Um, but but the reality is that SSD is is still. Uh, at least for now, too expensive because you, you really only need it for for backup, right? That's what that's what disk provides for HANA. It's an in-memory database that has a disk for persistence. So your disk needs to be fast enough to write, 
the changes that are coming through, and it needs to be fast enough to read into memory at a reasonable speed. Um, spending money, you know, putting a DSSD on the back of a HANA appliance with, with today's pricing is it doesn't provide a, a, a price benefit, right? It's just, it's just too, too expensive for that application um, today. So, so as a result, the HANA systems that we see, they, they really vary based upon a customer's vendor preference. You know, Lenovo have this internal disk with GPFS distributed storage. Cisco with EMC uh, provide, um, uh, you know, network storage. You guys offer the VMAX as a, a and that, this is a, a big option now, is this TDI thing where you use whatever compute you want and whatever disk you want, you meet a set of KPIs. Like, we see all of those. There, there is no consistency to that. Where, where I think it has to head is, is SSD has to get cheaper. There'll be a sudden point in time when the cost just drops, when manufacturing is, is high enough and disk starts to ramp down. Then I think it's inevitable that SSD becomes you know, the, the primary uh, persistence. And again, can people keep buying the same compute they kept on buying. Yeah, I think that's fair. You know, I'm working with a with a customer now, um, specifically on Hana's TDI, and and uh, we're we're looking at you know an all flash array to to accomplish to accomplish their needs there. So um, it's certainly a cool discussion. Where you know it's all about certification too, right? So SAP's got to certify the the hardware that that it's on. So um, we all we all kind of wait for for those things to happen before we can push forward. Because if SAP doesn't support it. They're not gonna. They're they're not gonna uh, um, put it in their environment at all. Cool. I mean, that that's right. And and there's a there's another reason why you know specifically uh, all flash arrays have not um, have not been popular yet, and that's because SAP didn't focus on very high performance disk arrays um, as part of the software. So you probably found in your testing that it's not as quick as you expected it to be. Yeah, I think we saw some uh, some some increases, but because the the customer had such a large front you know front side server cache, you know going back to to disk right SSD, um, while it, that was fast, most of what they were serving was was from the front end cache. So right, uh, yeah. yeah. So so the benefit of putting the SSD layer in is is not as high. And by the way, this one that we're doing with you guys, that that VMAX has a good chunk of SSD in it. Obviously, that's how the VMAX works. Okay. Yeah, so so speaking of you know you, you said how how SAP didn't really focus at, at um, previously on on you know solid state storage uh, you know persistent storage are there are there any other weaknesses you know that you think that SAP uh, has right I mean although they're solving huge problems at some of the biggest enterprises in the world what could they do better and then who's the biggest competitor so. Um you know, the, the I, I I have a, a wish list on Hana at any time that I beat the product team with, and they're very they're very good actually. They're very very good to me. So thank thank you to them in terms of dealing with the things that we think are important. Um, you know, HA and DR remains top of mind. Um, as Steve and I were talking about that last night. It's um, it's it's good now, um, but it needs to be even better. 
Um, and the you know SAP users, you know, a customer we're going live with, they're saying, well, you know, we want like six minutes of downtime a year. We want rolling upgrades to the SAP appliance, so the, to the SAP application layer, as well as to the database. And and so there's still a little bit of functionality to make it in around that. Um, we still provide pretty good HADR, you know, multiple locations and all and all of that good stuff. But I think um, in terms of you know aut automated rolling upgrades, zero downtime, um, that stuff is is important, and I know that's planned for for an, a, a release soon. Um, probably the other thing for me would be um, a focus around core uh, database things. Um, yeah, think things around core SQL because that would really allow us to do the porting of apps. Um, there's still a few little functional gaps around that, um, so that's that for me would be a big focus. You know, the stored procedure languages, ANSI SQL, uh, more more functionality, that kind of stuff. Um, but you know what? That that stuff comes with each release, so it doesn't bother me too much. And by the way, if you'd have asked me this question six months ago, I would have said stability. Um, to their credit, um, they've done a really good job of that with the latest release. Like It's awesomely stable. Um, to answer your question around competitors, um, I, I think that people often incorrectly imagine that SAP competes against Microsoft and IBM and, um, and Microsoft. Um, and I don't think that's true because um, if you're talking about an application strategy, there is only one choice, and it's S4. Um, if you're talking about a database strategy, well, in most cases now you're talking about a platform strategy. So SAP's competitors are really, um, with Oracle, it's the cloud, it's Salesforce, it's Workday, um, et cetera. They, they, there's, there's no competition anymore in the legacy database market. It's a, it's a dying market. I did see an article uh, specifically regarding Oracle's kind of competitiveness to you that they've they've kind of gone for the throat because their sales are down. Do does SAP consider Oracle, um, you know, a, a competitor? And if so, how how much? Um, I you know I I don't think that SAP is stupid enough to imagine that the number one database company in the world and one of the top enterprise software companies in the world isn't a competitor. I don't think they're naive to that. Um, I don't think that they're focused on it in the way they used to be. Like they used to be paranoid about, about Oracle. Um, and you know, if, you, if you look at the fact that SAP, it, it really didn't react to Oracle's extremely aggressive, um, like I would say incorrect statements perhaps almost, you might even argue, deliberately incorrect, trying to wind them up. Like, the fact that they didn't really react to that tells you that they're focused on on the future rather than in looking in the rearview mirror. And and so let's talk about that future stuff. You mentioned some stuff earlier. I, I made a note of it because I really wanted to talk about it. Um, you mentioned, uh, you know, obviously your agile processes around delivery within an organization to kind of speed these these implementations up um, on top of that we also discussed a little bit about cloud so um, when it comes to agile and you think of like agile and ERP they don't seem to really be in the same sentence let's talk about that shift a little bit is that something that 
everybody's going to start doing is that is that bluefin secret sauce or where do you think that all fits together because it feels to me like uh the it's like vintage industrial right it's a lot of old and a lot of new in the same conversation yeah yeah i mean <clears throat> where, where do we start i mean i I think part part of it, right, is that is that what we bring as Bluefin to the table is the ability to be agile in those environments and move quickly and reliably and deliver a promise. And and I and I don't think that that others are doing that. Um, but the way I think about things is is our job is to lead the market and others will follow. So what what is our secret source today? Will become commoditized in the market over time. We'll just be thinking about what's next. So, you know, it's the same with cloud, right? You know, ERP customers are not adopting the cloud in volume yet, but it's only a matter of time. I mean, if you look at, and I'll, I'll give, give your guys at VirtuStream a plug, if you look at, you look at those, what those guys are doing, they're basically doing the same as what we're doing, but they're doing it with cloud computing, right? And they're, they're, they're enabling agile ERP with a data platform, which, which is exactly what, you know, the, the legacy hosting vendors promised 10 years ago. Yeah, of course you'll have agile compute. You can add cores on demand, you know, who creates SLAs around that. And then, of course, it didn't actually happen. But I think, and, and that is the future, right? And so can you, can you actually, with, with ERP and uh, specifically HANA, right? So S4, can you actually use agile processes? Like, can you, can developers release something new every hour and just push it out there and the users immediately get it? Can you do blue-green deployments um, to be able to kind of test things out? Um, or is it still, is the system itself still kind of based in, in legacy a bit where you have to have a stop and a release kind of scenario? I, I, I think in, in all honesty, it becomes a little bit of a hybrid. You, you know, we're talking about um, finance systems which are regulated. Right, you know, Sarban Oxley and, and and so on and, and so forth. You know, that 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 doesn't permit a, a truly agile uh, development style like you might be doing if you're doing a web shop or something. It's just it just doesn't work that way. You're not allowed to. Um, what it does allow you is to be more agile. So and and you you build a release management methodology which allows you weekly releases and then minor releases and major releases and you, you and, and it allows you to move much more quickly and patch more easily and reduce downtime but you know do, does it allow you to move to a completely agile approach I, I don't think it does um just because the regulators won't allow that so another let's look at another kind of aspect of agility um cloud options right so People go to the cloud because it makes them more agile. It makes the, the ease of consumption much easier and quicker. So when you're talking to customers today about cloud options for SAP, um, obviously from the EMC side of the house, VirtuStream comes up, but SAP has their own cloud. I think AWS does something like that. Um, how, do you, how do you have that discussion? And, and then when you do, what is typically the response that that you hear from customers surrounding SAP specifically in the cloud um, so uh, I mean first the, the great thing about about being bluefin is we we don't really have a vendor preference per se so we you know we we partner with with organizations such as yourself and virtue stream and SAP and Amazon 
Um, and we're, we're very happy to offer customers a very honest view of those services and what they do and, and help them help them choose the right one from an advisory perspective. That's that's part of who we are and what we do. And the, the reality is that I, I think that cloud and, and S4 are, are in exactly the same life cycle, which is customers know they want the benefits of this. They're figuring out how to get there. And so, you know, the, the customer I just mentioned, we're, we're going live with a, a huge large cap um, customer in a couple of weeks. Um, they're, they're reaching out and they're saying, hey, what, what about the cloud? What are our options? You know, should we do enterprise cloud, virtual stream? Um, currently, Amazon is, is, not, is not an option for, for HANA yet there. Uh, one can only assume that Amazon will get there when they're ready for it. Um, they, they typically don't try and lead the market with that stuff. Um, they're, they're, they play with volumes very large volumes. So they, they don't have HANA databases big enough yet. Um, I'm sure they will. Um, so that's, but, but, you know, customers are not doing a lot of that yet. You know, you hear the, the Florida crystal story that you guys have got. Um, but I think if we fast forward two years, customers are planning to be there. What's, uh, maybe I don't even know about it. What is the Florida crystal story? That's your, that's your EMC Virtue Stream uh, business suite on HANA story. Oh, okay. It's a big, big reference customer. It sounds like I need to call Heiner and get that story. <laughs> so, you know, we, we, a lot of times, and that's the interesting thing about this, right, is uh, as in what we deal with day in and day out, we understand the interactions between HANA and the uh, some of the platforms and systems they may run on. Um, but knowing the actual uh, sales motion of, of HANA, you usually end up calling in some sort of ninja. You call in a... Um, you know, you call in either Heinrich or you call in a Chris Ritter. Uh, maybe we call in, you know, you, depending on, you know, who the partner is kind of thing. So there's always this one really wicked smart person who comes in the room who does nothing but HANA. We see the same thing in, in, the, in the medical space, people who know Epic and Meditech. So uh, that's interesting. I'm going to have to call Heinrich and get that story. Yeah, so, I just sent it to you on Skype. It's on. It's in. A, it's in the public domain, or I, awesome. I wouldn't have mentioned it. Yeah, um, and so uh, as far as cloud, though, you know, everybody, everybody, there's a lot of people who seem to, you know, either offer, you know, either partner with somebody to do it or run their own. Um, does Bluefin have a kind of strategy? Do you have a, a lead? Do you guys have your own type of cloud? So, so my view on cloud is 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 really simple. Is it's going to consolidate hard and fast. Like being, you you cannot and will not be able to be a small cloud player, and and this is going to be a problem for SAP themselves. You you, you know you look at Amazon, Google, you know the, their data centers are huge. They they are and and they they gain economies of scale. Um, you know you, you hear rumors of how Amazon and Google you know build their own hardware. It's custom ASICs. You know, they, they're all, you know, water-cooled and uh, warm air from the outside environment. They're in remote locations where the temperature is constant year-round. You know, that is the fu future of cloud. It's, it's, it will commoditize hard. There, I, I can't imagine, um, you know, I don't, I don't speak to our strategy on this, but I, I can't imagine that a, a small, um, relatively small company could enter that space. It's just... 
just doesn't make just doesn't make sense to me and that's that's also going to be a challenge for you guys as well right with with virtustream is you, you know you, you've got to be cost effective when when amazon decides to go into the into the enterprise game you've got to be cost effective with them that's actually a really i mean that's frankly that's a really good thought um it'll be interesting to see what the impact is of that consolidation even on somebody like a virtustream uh which is probably on the the larger of the small uh you know cloud providers with a I mean, they have a very unique niche, and there's obviously a lot of uh, unique IP that's kind of spreading throughout uh, EMC's world. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how your theory lines up in 24 and 36 months. Yeah, and, and I think it's a you know it, it might even be five years that play. Yeah. And 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 if you look at where VirtuStream are right now, you know I think they provide a niche offering which is worth a premium above what a commodity offering would look like. Not that a commodity offering exists right now, but when those commodity offerings arise um it'll be interesting to see whether virtue stream at that point still has a differentiator and maybe they do maybe they already moved the game on awesome so john uh we're, we're getting ready to come up on the the top of the hour here uh so i just wanted to get out there you're going to be the the keynote speaker uh at sap world coming up is there is there anything any sneak peeks that you can give us uh and our listeners today about what you're going to be talking about, and uh, you know if they're not signed up already, why should they sign up and go? Oh, that, that 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 is the rumor. The the lineup is is never is never completely confirmed until the day. So um, we'll we'll see uh, what what does make it on on the ticket keynote in the end. But um, I I mean I think I think customers. You know they they know TechEd pretty well, and it, and it has become a machine. It has become you know an amazing place to learn. Um, you can consume more in TechEd in a week than you can consume in five weeks of training courses if you put your mind to it. And um, you know especially I, I've been working with the Hana team around their training programs for that. If you're a Hana guy, like there there is there's nowhere better to be right now. Um, it, it, they have packed it full of all the latest best practices and information. Um, so, like, it, it, it will be great. Um, as, as far as the keynote goes, wh whether or not I, I, I make it on there or, or, or not, um, I've, I've had a little peek into, into the, the schedule of that, um, and it, it, it is going to be awesome. It is, the bar is extremely high. <laughs> it, it's going to be like nothing you've ever seen before. Okay, very good. Um, so, so John, what's uh, if you could give us a, a recommendation first of all of uh, you know maybe a, a good place to go, a good resource uh, to to learn about SAP, learn about Hana, what's going on with the latest and greatest. Um, I mean, is it your Twitter? Is it your blog? Is it some other outside source? What do you recommend? I so I mean. You, you want to know the HANA latest and greatest. I mean, there is the sapHANA.com blog. I I think that's great. Um, you know, real, really, HANA has a two, a six monthly release cycle, big release every six months, and they do an excellent job of communicating what, what's going on there. Like, wow, like the, the there are like thirteen separate presentations there with videos that explain it all with each release. Uh, that's a good place to go. Uh, SCN, the SAP Community Network, scn.sap.com. Um, they they have a pretty cool HANA community there. It's it's pretty vibrant, um, and you see a lot of fresh content there. And, and, you know, 
there there are a bunch of Twitter accounts. I think I think Steve Lucas is N Stephen Lucas, mine Appleby J, um, SEP in memory. Pro- probably three pretty pretty good ones to follow if you if you want to know about the Hana thing. Okay, awesome. Thank you. So you you already talked about your Twitter at Appleby J. And then you have a blog, peopleprocesstech.com. Is that SAP related? What I saw in there was, you know, Apple Watch, your book. Um, I didn't dig too too deep into the archives, but uh, is, would that be a good place for people to go, or is that more personal? Uh, that's if people are interested in, in what I write. To, to be honest, that that's an that's an outlook for my mind uh, that I write for me. Um, if other people like it, then that's cool. But it's a uh, it's an, a random collection of things around travel and uh, very little SAP because I, I have three SAP blogs already. I blog on the SAP HANA website and on SCN and on the Bluefin website. So mm-hmm. it's it's normally related things, Apple, uh, enterprise technology, uh, leadership, all, all kinds of things. Well, awesome, John. We we certainly appreciate your time today. Like. We know we, this is a busy time of year, as you talked about, and you know this whole uh, the kitchen thing. We'll have to we'll have to figure out exactly what that means. But uh, um, again, thank you for your time and being on the Hot Isle podcast. Uh, hopefully, this was you know again educational to to our to our listeners about the ERP landscape. SAP is is a, is a big part of that, and then some of the cool stuff that's going on in that environment. Um, with that, we'll close it out. My name is Brent Piotti. My name is Brian Carpenter. And John, thanks again, man. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, guys. Whoop.